Hi, I'm Sean, and welcome to the Love to Own Your Business podcast. Here, we learn how to grow businesses we love to own. Each month, we share great advice on how to do that, and also on how to avoid the pitfalls that make us love our business not so much. For those that have been following us here at SLC for any length of time, you'll have come across a lot of discussion about the employer-employee relationship. I do my best to offer insights into current fad work or root back down to the basics of good employment stewardship on both sides of the equation. So with us this month is host of his own podcast, That Sounds Terrific, Nick Koziol. A consummate side hustler and an extraordinary connector, Nick has among his many entrepreneurial endeavors run a networking and support group for job seekers during the length of the pandemic. I asked Nick on this month to give us his perspectives on the experiences from his own journey to find a primary anchor gig, stories from his group, and share his thoughts on what employers and potential employees can do better to find the right fits for their needs. So welcome, Nick. How you doing? Doing good, Sean. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, it's it's always different being on the other side of the camera. That's so right. even though I'm always on the other side of the camera, <laughs> that's right. so let's co-host each other. Um, so let's let's start out by telling our listeners a little bit about you and how you decided to start this job seeker networking group and um, what you sort of have learned along the way. So we'll get through those parts, but let's start out with who and what. Sure. So as you said, I, I am Nick Colziel, and um, for the most of my career, I was in higher education. Um, I used to joke around and said, you know, I, I never left college. And um, throughout that that time, I, I learned a lot of different things about, you know, who people are, who I am. And the, the constant like thing that's always been in my life is, you know, helping people. And, and in that case, it's mostly helping students find their careers or find their path at college, right? So where I came from is really just, you know, I'm a, I'm a constant learner. I love learning. So uh, when the pandemic hit, I found myself um, kind of finding a different career direction. I was not in a position anymore. And it called it sort of the, the COVID renaissance because it was like an opportunity for me to go back and be creative with um, not only what I do, but with other people do. So it's a journey. <laughs> Mine was, was this long sloping journey, um, you know, and basically uh, what happened and how the um, support group occurred was through networking. So you mentioned I'm, a, I'm an avid networker and I love meeting people and I never turn down a meeting. Um, and I met with a person named Dottie Austin with Career Partners International. And she and her team at Medi College um, put on a resume workshop. And when I mentioned to her that I was looking for a position, she's like, you should go through our program. And she was kind enough to set me up and put me through it. And then at the end of that program, I realized there's a whole bunch of people that didn't kind of know where to go next. And that's kind of where TST Career Support uh, was created, was out of the need for people to find a place to belong. Nice. Oh yeah. Sense of community around the job seeker. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's nice because it's not from the HR side of things, which has its own role, but this is the, this is a peer support group, which is how we all get together rather than trying to um, work through the, the formalized structure. Right. Excuse me of that. Right. So right. Um, what do you think was most surprising to you and your group um, during the search and interview process? Like everybody comes into it with expectations. What are the uh, yeah. realizations? 
So what we found were trends, um, and you know, in my opinion, um, although this is kind of the hurt, things I heard during group and discussion, was very surprised about you know the lack of response when it came to applications, um, but also the very quick to respond um, people who was like you know you just get a job right, um, and what what also we found was there was a lot of jobs available in certain sectors but not necessarily the sector that someone was either comfortable in or looking in and so that was probably the source of the most stress was you know not necessarily where's the ne next paycheck coming in but like how can i find a job that you know speaks to me and also to my skills at a level where, you know, is appropriate as far as salary goes. But the other side of it was that when you did reach out to like, you know, um, people that worked at the organization or other people that were out of work, um, there was this sort of like um, supportive community that was being formed. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So when I, when I work with, when I work with companies that we, we, I sort of try to take a look at, you know, what's out there, what's on Indeed or Glassdoor or whatever the case might be for salary offerings. And then I try to adjust and I know there's never a direct match skill for sale, you know, skill for skill, position for position, even though job titles are the same, every individual company needs something a little bit different, right? Where do you think that most of you and your group were getting their expectations from? Is it from just previous uh, employments and where they had come from as salary expectations, especially if they're working towards a, a position that was ne not necessarily inside their direct field or, or something. Like, where do you think they were getting their expectations? So helping my, yeah. you know, employers understand, like, if this is an expectation, how do we have a, a, a fruitful conversation about what's what we can afford or what you're expecting, what might be some training opportunities so we can't pay you that much until you get up to speed, that kind of thing. Right. So a lot of the salary expectations um, for me were kind of up in the air because I was going and I was trying to specifically go from higher education to something different. And that was something I had always said that I was going to do um, anyway, if I moved on from, from the past position that I was at. But I didn't really know, like, what is that transferable skill going to give me as far as a role in the corporate world or maybe, you know, the nonprofit world. So I kind of was guessing to some degree, but also talking to different people in those industries and asking, well, what do you make? And what exactly do you do? And if you don't mind me asking, like, you know, what do you think the position is actually worth in, in comparison to what you make? Mm -hmm. You know, are you about spot on? And, you know, every industry, every type of nonprofit, every type of thing is a little different. Now, some of the other people that I have worked with, you know, have been pretty high up in, you know, in the business world, um, you know, making double what I was making, you know, in, in higher education, because they were doing things like change management, or, um, you know, uh, overseeing an entire department. Um, so they had expectations pre from their previous positions. And a lot of them, I will say, although they were hoping to get something that was higher than they were at, were kind of looking for that sidestep into that you know, kind of position that was sort of equal to what they were doing, you know, there is more to a position than salary. Mm -hmm. And what was important to me, and I can't say it was important to like everyone in the group, but definitely was high up there, um, was the sense of community and the people that you were working with and being able to be like myself uh, at a company. And I think businesses understand that too. There's more to a position than just overall salary, but it's what's important to the individual that uh, and that particular industry. Oh, yeah. I, I think that the employers that really get it understand that there's a full package. Um, there has to be, at the very least, 
enough money for the person not to have to stress about money. Because if the person is always stressing about money or I got to get to my next job so that I can feed myself and my family and take care of my bills, then you're never going to get an optimum level of performance anyway. So yes, there's certain amounts of position worth, let's say, but also for, in my experience, like the retention aspect of things is you want to make sure that you're not at the market rates. You want to be a little bit above it. You'll get a little bit more. And if you treat people like adults and give them an environment where they want to come to work, you will get people that are going to buy in and have skin in the game in your business. Right. Right. So, yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. What advice, other advice, let's see, would you give to employers based on you and your group's experiences for, let's say, the hiring process and then the mm-hmm. onboarding process? Because hiring is just part of the equation. And then onboarding, like, can mm-hmm. you speak to some of the stories of successful onboardings and not yeah. successful onboardings uh, <laughs> from that beer forever, Sean? <laughs> um, no, I think that, you know, when you're looking at candidates and like, especially companies that really like talk about transferable skills and how important it is that they get someone from like sort of outside the organization with a different mind and thinking, they need to be prepared for that change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need to be prepared for that candidate. Um, and in a lot of situations, I would say the predominant amount of situations, they're really not ready for that. And they're, they're kind of putting on a little bit of a show for the public and themselves because they think they want that. Mm. But most organizations like hate change, you know, like they want to change and they know they need to change. Um, but they're not open to change. So like really just being prepared and thinking about you know, I would rather you wait to hire that person until you have a full idea of like what you want for that position. And really, if you want somebody to come from a different area of, of you know, business, then make sure that you're prepared for that and that you're open to hearing suggestions uh, about change, mm-hmm. you know, in the future. There's a story, I think, and I'm going to get the wrong toothpaste company, but it was, I think it was Crest that you know they have a contest like every year for all their employees to put an idea in in the box right um that would save them money and increase profits mm-hmm. and one year it was uh, either a maintenance worker or a janitor that said you know everybody puts their toothpaste on the same way right um they just kind of put it the length of the tooth uh the toothbrush the bristles why don't you just make the opening wider so it's coming out thicker and then they're using more product and need to buy more, right? Because they're doing the same length thing. Um, you know, and it, and it increased their profits by a crazy amount. He got like a, like a bonus for doing it, but that didn't come from like, you know, um, research and development or, you know, some VP somewhere that came from a person who was thinking outside the box. So oh, yeah. I think it's important to remember that. Oh yeah. Any, any type of, uh, organizational change or strategic planning should involve people from all sectors of the company to put their input in, right? Because uh, right. you never know. The people who are actually doing the work are the ones that are definitely going to give you the ideas, right? There's mm-hmm. countless numbers of examples of, of the person who is not doing anything related to that particular research and development function coming up with brilliant, brilliant <laughs> ideas, right? <laughs> Education and smarts are not necessarily directly related to each other right so i as an employer have a certain expectations right and i've been burned a lot of time by people who come in right and it's both sides of the equation right there's been a lot of bad behavior on both sides of the equation and and my purpose isn't to call out business owners or to call out right employees right but 
I, I talk a lot about really let's rethink and from the beginning of the pandemic, like we have an opportunity now to really rewrite this relationship, right? Because we have new standards of what is an accommodation for an employee for working at home versus working at the office. And people started realizing it's not really about clocking in for hours. It's more about right. getting the job done. And we're paying for getting a job done. So I've always thought basically that I don't pay you hourly. I pay you to get the job done. I don't care if it works within business hours and works for either my the, the colleagues in the company or for the vendors and, 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 and the clients that we're serving, if you want to do your work at three o'clock in the morning instead of three o'clock in the afternoon, I really don't care as long as the job gets done, right? And certain fields lend themselves better to that than others. Right. But at the end of the day, what behaviors would you recommend that are changed from your group that you saw that is kind of cringeworthy and mm -hmm. from the employer side that is kind of cringeworthy? You talked a little bit about it. You know, my expectations, I want to bring people in with transferable skills, but right. that's an aspirational thing as an employer. It, I don't really have a plan for that or I really right. don't have a, 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 a very specific um, uh, process for how to get you from your transferable skills to where you need to be because I need you four weeks right. ago and, yeah. and I don't have time to do that. So can you speak right. to that maybe? So I think you kind of answered your question in that question and saying that it comes down, it really comes down to trust, right? So employers are looking for, um, you know, employees they can trust. Employees are looking for the ability to trust their employers. And I think that's the most important thing because if an employee knows that the employer has their back and they have a good enough relationship where it isn't really, the, the leader is being a leader because they're a part of the team mm -hmm. and not some figurehead then those are the organizations that like can be extremely successful. And it kind of goes back to some of the other things that, that we were saying in regards to, you know, giving everyone an opportunity, empowering them to speak and share their ideas, no matter how crazy they are. Yeah. Um, Cause that's how you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the development of trust is it takes time. Um, I think at, from the employer side of things, uh, my experience has been that there's been a lot of expectations of those types of, let's say, fringe benefits, right, of mm -hmm. uh, freedoms that you would normally acquire right off the bat. And I say to the employee uh, side of the equation, let's let's work together. I, I have I have an investment. I have a significant investment coming into you. You have a significant amount of trust that you're bestowing upon me to, to, to live up to everything that I've said as an employer. Mm -hmm. So let's work together for a little while before we start making expectations or demands, demanded expectations uh, of what I can do, how much flexibility I can have, how much I can take off now and be, oh, by the way, I, I need two weeks, right, to do this, right? right? Yeah. Um, there's been all kinds of crazy expectations. Like, I, I, I'm having a baby in two weeks, so I'm going to come work for you. I know that you have to onboard me and then you've got deadlines, but I'm going to take two weeks off right off the bat. If that's clear and it's, and it's okay on both sides of the equation, that's fine. But let's be really upfront about that in the beginning, yeah. not at the end of the process. And again, not a, not a, not a, a cut to either side of the equation, but um, I think behaviors definitely need to change on both sides of the equation. Yes. What expectations are. How about this? How about sharing two experiences from you and or your group? Uh, one successful interview process that they said, oh, this was great. This company did this X, Y, and Z. And then how about from the other side of it is a not successful one and say this company or I did, or from both sides, like I admit that I did this wrong or whatever the case would be from the employee side or from the employee, from the employer side, maybe both. 
the one success that I have had, um, and they're kind of related, and, and one thing that was troubling was, so I talk a lot about networking in to a process mm-hmm. and um, you know meeting different people, part of the organization, and then actually going into the interview. So there was one organization that I felt like a couple organizations did this where I networked in and, and um, I met with the people and the process was very like almost casual. Um, it was definitely like, you know, warming and welcoming. Um, and everyone like started talking about the, the past conversations we had and all those different things. So it, um, it went really, really well because we talked about that previous relationship that I already kind of established and how that would work at their environment. And they talked about, you know, that being important to them. Now, another organization that I did the same exact things to and felt like I had a really good personal relationship with took a very super staunch like approach to interviewing because that's part of their HR policy. So they didn't really let me, like I brought things in, but they didn't sort of acknowledge that they knew me. And it was strange um, because these are people that I spent time talking to for, you know, a couple hours and things like that. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, allowing yourselves to, you know, be human during the process is the most important part of the hiring process. Um, And I know that there's some HR things and there's some risk, um, you know, that for some reason is, uh, you know, put into that whole thing of like what you can ask and what you can do and, and all that stuff. And I know sometimes hands are tied, but the more you can make those interviews more of an actual human interaction, the better it is for both sides. Yeah, I, 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 I like transparency. I think I recommend transparency up to a point, right? Because you can't show everything behind the curtain, right. right? Because people don't necessarily understand what they're looking at. So again, it creates stories in their own hand about what, what, whatever that item might be. Yeah. Um, all right. So what else would you like to say that we didn't cover? Anything that jarred loose uh, through our conversations? Anything that um, that employers should mm-hmm. know or should be cognizant of uh, how employees are thinking expectation wise, maybe something that we didn't cover yet. Um, you know, I think we covered a lot here, especially, um, you know, in, in, on both sides of the coin. And I, and I think again, to really just hit home, it's about uh, being open enough to um, start a relationship from, from the process. Right. Um, and when you say something, I guess the other thing that I will hit home from either side, when you say you're going to do something, make sure that you do it. And if you, for some reason, can't do it, follow up with the person and, and say, here, I know I said I was going to do this, but here's what happens. Right. Um, an example of that, again, would be going back to some of the, some of the, you know, the ghosting on either side, right. As far as like, you know, Hey, we'll get back to you in about a week or two to let you know what's going on about the role make sure you get back to them in, in the set time. And, and um, you know, the same thing with like, I've talked to a couple um, people that were going for jobs and never, and when they accepted one, never went back to any of the companies to say that, you know, I accepted a job and, you know, let them know. So I think it's important that both sides do that um, and stay on top of those types of things because they're all relationships that could and, and will matter in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, that that would be a, that's a that's sort of a balance of power thing. I think in the sense that um, either I'm inundated so much that I that I, I just simply can't control it, and if that's the case, you need to dedicate um, 
the block of time for people to do that regardless because it's you have to make sure that that's a priority i guess right and that's for the employer side or the employee side right, right. um because at the end of the day buffalo is a small place any place mm-hmm. is a small place right and you never know when you right. might have to cross paths again with anyone right right so professionalism exactly. is the key yep i agree mm-hmm. all right um thank you nick um you, if you want to learn more about uh Nick or connect with Nick, you can find him at what's a what's a good place for them to find you at? I mean, you can definitely search Nick Colsey on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on social media. So um, Colsey will N for um, Instagram and the mm-hmm. same thing for Twitter. So K-O-Z-I-O-L-N. And, um, you know, you can search for my career support group. We're open to anyone, really. And we're always looking for guests to come in mm-hmm. and talk about, um, you know, different ways to better your career and develop your career. Um, so you don't need to be job searching to be a part of it. It is a networking group. And that's uh, TST Career Support. So, um, Sean, thank you so much for, you know, having me on the show. It's been awesome. No, no. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm always so honored to have guests for this thing because it's it's i love having the conversations and and i love sharing my ideas along with other people's ideas and coming up with new ideas as a result of that like so very nice um if you want to learn more about what we do here at slc uh advisory group come visit us at www.slcadvisorygroup.com and of course if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of our content hit the subscribe button when you do and we'll let you know when our next episode comes out and we'll see you again next month and thank you again nick very very much awesome sean thank you so much thanks you have a good day you too 